Well, good morning. And uh, as soon as I get my iPad warmed up here and remember exactly what the password is, we will be in good shape here. Well, congratulations, fathers. Congratulations, grandfathers. Grandf and congratulations, great-grandfathers. And maybe if my memory serves me right, there might be a great-great-grandfather or two running around uh, the room this morning. But, um, you know, the thing of it is that fatherhood and all the fatherhoods that we, we take a look at, either grandparents or great-grandparents, you know, it is a journey that we're on. And it's a journey that, that um, really has, you know, tremendous amount of pitfalls in it. There's challenges, there's worries, there's headaches, there's heartaches that are involved in, in that parenting situation. And today I want to take a, a good look at fatherhood and what does it mean and what did Christ teach us uh, about his father so that we can learn? Our father, with uh, the examples he has left us to, to study and emulate as, as fathers. Uh, but first I want to say, uh, you know, women, I, I'm not leaving you out because Scripture is for everybody. So don't think that you, um, you know, you can just tune an ear out. You know, you really do have to, to, to listen, uh, women, because by the time you order tea for lunch, the men have forgotten what I said this morning. So you need to remind them. I know how that is. My wife has to remind me all the time of things that were said. But uh, there, there's, there's a fact here that, uh, that's scientific in nature. They have uh, done tremendous amounts, spend millions and millions of dollars on uh, study of, of fatherhood. And they have come to realize it's inherited. The, the reality is, if your father did not have kids, you would not have kids either. So, it's kind of a low key. I probably should have saved my best for last. But, um, but uh, anyway, let's pray this morning. Father God, thank you for this morning and for, for me to be able to, again, be united with my friends at Countryside. Uh, Father, you have blessed me today in being able to, to be in Pittsburgh and share life with an amazing group of people. Um, we take time today to, to celebrate our, our earthly fathers, um, but as we continue to celebrate, I, I would ask that we ask for your blessings and thank you for being in our lives. Father, tender our hearts this morning that, that we may be able to enhance our lives as you desire for us to, to have that enhancement. Help us to hear and, 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 and what we need from you to learn and to receive the grace and humility. And we pray this as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as, you forgive our, as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, as we, as we hear different things, like the, if we hear the Pledge of Allegiance or our national anthem, and especially the Lord's Prayer, there's a lot of times that we just kind of skim over it. It's a, it's a rote thing that we do. We just say it to say it. But I want to I take a few minutes this morning to, to, to really take a good look at, at what Christ is telling us uh, when he taught his disciples to pray. Uh, 
uh, I have uh, uh, I have taken a look at this and 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 kind of try to pull it apart as best I can, and I and I see seven different things uh, that are major in it, but there's there's a slew of other things that uh, that come along uh, within the you know, within this particular scripture, but I but I've uh, uh, titled these all with A's. Uh, basically, that's all the further I learned on my ABCs, so I wanted to keep it simple. But um, the first one is assimilation. He starts off the prayer by saying, our Father. He doesn't say, my Father. He's talking about our Father, and in, in it, is, it is all of us, not just Him. He's talking about all mankind, about being our Father. Biblical scholar John Meyer says, we experience God's fatherhood as members of the church, as the family of Jesus Christ, the Son. We are the children of God. Just as, as Kent was talking about, we are children of God. We are children of the Father to respect and treat one another accordingly. Uh, with this, he has offered to challenge us to, to provide a godly legacy to, to, to pass down to give to the generations to follow the tradition of family, a family that loves the Lord and understands his kingship and Lord of our lives. There's a hierarchy. There's, a, there's an order. There's an unbroken genealogy in our legacy. You know, being, being a family, you know, sometimes there's, it, it is a great experience, the, the joys that we find with, you know, being with our family, of, of watching little children. Uh, I've got about a 10-minute video that my daughter sent me this morning of my granddaughter. You know, we want to play it. Do we have Wi-Fi that we can play it up on a screen? But, you know, I just love that. You know, I was mesmerized this, this morning by, by watching her dance to this, this little song and twirling around and then going the other way. And then the song's still playing. She sat down and opened up a book, you know, lost interest, you know, changes. You know, we're like that. But what a great joy is to, to, to watch that. And, it, and it's the family. It's the, it's the legacy. I, I want the joy in her heart. And we want the joy in our, in our family's hearts. And sometimes that just doesn't happen. We're, we're pulled and strained, and, and things happen in our lives. There's challenges and struggles, and, you know, we're bounced around on the waves. But coming back to understanding that we are a family, a tradition set up by God, and in his prayers, he's taught us to pray, he's saying, you know, come together as a family. That is so important and ultimately important. It gets a lot of lip service, you know. You know, it's all about family, but is it really? You know, do we take the time to sit down and read a book? Do we take the time to teach as we walk along those prodigies that are part of our family? Do we take that time? The next thing is authority. Uh, Christ is, is teaching us about his Father, our Father, our God. And he says, hallowed be thy name. It's the name above all names. God has this authority in the sense that it is it is, this, is, this is hard for us to kind of imagine. There's, there's absolute possibilities in this, but there's also that, that, that absolute freedom that he gives us. And so, you know, I, I, I take a look at this, and, you know, it's, it's neither a necessity or restraint that God uh, has for his family and, and his power over us. But, you know, I, I take a look at this, and, you know, when we, when we look at Romans 9, you know, he, he talks about this, this clay 
that he has and that we have the ability to and he has the ability to mold that clay you know for special things and for common purposes that's that's what he says in in romans 9 but when we when we take a look and we think about this clay and i, I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to to sit in front of a wheel and 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 make a clay pot but it, it's a fascinating experience you know you can you can feel that lump of clay kind of coming up and rising up and it's just as you touch your fingers to it but if you put too much pressure on it you know it becomes fragile and it becomes weakened on the side there's too much pressure there's there's the right amount and you know if you if you try to to discipline kids too much and you, and you become this this setting where you're just encroaching upon them every minute you're micromanaging them and you're and you're restricting them you know they're going to rebel against that but it's the right amount and how do you do that because you know what there are tons and tons of books out there on telling you how to parent and all these things how to be grandparents how do you, how to do this and how to do that the reality is is it you know the only manual we have is the bible in it and it gives us that example of just the right amount of pressure the right amount of touch on it to to mold those prodigy into just great vessels i have a friend of mine that's a that's a dentist and in his uh, he, he he retired a couple years ago but he but he started uh, a long time ago started being a potter and he has just made these tremendous creations. And I look at these creations and I go, my gosh, I can't believe he, he has made these. Uh, I'm, I'm, glad he, I'm glad he was that good in my mouth, you know, <laughs> and delicate. But, you know, it is just, it's just amazing to, to watch the skill and how his skill has flourished. And, you know, it, it takes that. We need, to, we need to flourish. You know, they, and as, as a grandparent for 14, um, no, 16 months now, you know, I, I've, I've understood what they've said all along. It's, you know, it's easier to be a grandparent because you can send them home. But the, 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 the whole thing is, you know, it's still the responsibility that we have to, to, to help in molding them. You know, and even as your children or grandchildren have children, you know, there's still that responsibility for all of us to be in their lives and to help guide. Because, you know, a lot of times your, your kids come back to you and go, I don't know what I'm doing. So, well, we didn't know what we were doing either. But we keep working at it. We keep trying. Raising up the children in the ways of the Lord. You know, it's interesting. I, um, I still work as a chaplain with Marketplace Chaplains, and we, we place chaplains in the corporate settings. And the number one thing that I hear from the owners of these companies, from the general managers of these companies, uh, the people that are overseer of people, people that are hiring, is that the people that are coming in, the, the young people that they're trying to hire and interview, is that they have no leadership skills. And how do you learn leadership skills? By example. Remember I said it was inherited. <laughs> Those leadership skills, the, the ability to, uh, to, to, to mold people and to show them how to lead. You know, and, you know, they, they say that they, they just don't have any examples in their lives, you know, from the home to school to church to community to political leaders. To lead like our Father leads, to, to lead how Christ led us and taught us in a talent ba and basin type of setting where there's that, that, that right kind of service to our children, not to pamper and coddle them, 
but they have that right balance of, of supervision over them and also the ability to, to mold them into the people that we want to have as great Christian leaders within our community. Authenticity. In the verses leading up to um, uh, the Lord's Prayer, um, Christ says a number of different times in, in verse 2, he says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Again, in verse 5, he says, And when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street to be seen by all others. Hypocrites. Be authentic. You know, I think it's, it, it's really um, interesting that, that Christ would hit this, you know, so many times it's, it's on his hit list, so to speak. You know, the hypocrites are the things that bother him. He talks a lot about those Pharisees and talk a lot about, you know, the, the people that are out there and not being the authentic people that they really need to be. You know, the authenticity is critical to Christ. And he's going, you know, I, I need to have you be real. You know, today we're inundated by the challenges, you know, and out in, the, in the, the world we're hearing about fake news and we're hearing about all of these slanderous things that are happening to people in, in, in public and, you know, there's, there's this quick reaction and jabs back at people and trying to get even. You know, I, I can't imagine what God is saying, you know, and, and, and watching as, you know, people don't want to be themselves. You know, they, they want to be inauthentic. You know, they want, you know the, uh, the rich want to be richer, the poor want to win the lottery. You know, uh, it, it, is, it is just a, a challenge out there, the people not trying to, or trying to be something they're not. Social media is just inundated with people putting things up there, you know, that, hey, look at how great this is, you know, how great this vacation. They don't show the video of the, the meltdown that they've had at a family dinner. You know, and it's, and it's critical for us to be authentic. We, we need to be able to show our flaws. We need to be able to teach our kids, you know, not everything is, is all right. I spent a lot of time as, as, a, as a marriage counselor, and I would, one of the things I would hear so often is, is people coming in, is they, they never saw their parents fight. Well, they would go behind closed doors, or you know, things would be shut off. And there was, there was really inauthenticity, you know, within their own families because they were trying to show their kids, well, we're, we're perfect, you know, but they didn't show their kids how to, how to fight, how to reconcile. You know, they, they, they need to see the parents be able to sit down at the kitchen table and talk through the challenges that are in their lives and see the authenticity of their parents. Yeah, things are not perfect. Yeah, we don't get along, but we resolve with Christ in our lives. And I think it's really interesting. You know, we talk about the truth uh, setting us free. So where are we now? Attributes. Basically, who is God? I noticed this morning as I was driving by in front of the church here, you've got a great sign out there, the brick, you know, with the letters that change, and you can even put them in there. My first church um, had a lady that, uh, actually we had this, uh, it was like a big used car thing, it was on the wheels, and you rolled it out in front of the church, and you put the letters on it, it had this big arrow that would flash, Whew. You know, it just kind of blew my mind. You know, why would we have this in front of the church? But anyway, a lady left us to have, have the kind of signage that you had. 
And so I was, I was really, you know, we, we need to use this. We need to change it every week, and, and we need to have that up there. And I said, I'd love to put sermon titles up there. So this one week I had, I had put, uh, uh, I had given the, the, uh, the guy that made the letter changes on the, on the signage out front. And so my sermon title was, Who is God? And then underneath it, Reverend Luke Whitty. And so <laughs> there were, uh, uh, I actually got a number of phone calls about that. Um, I don't think anybody really mistook me for the Messiah, but, uh, uh, but, but who is God? You know, if we talk about hallowed be thy name, God is holy. Uh, on earth as it is in heaven. He is our creator. He is above us. He is, you know, he is heaven here on earth. You know, he is the beginning. He is our provider. Give us our daily bread. You know, he is the giver of life. He is the sustainer of life. Uh, he is our moral compass. Forgive us our, our sins or our debts or our transgressions. You know, he, is, he calls us to, to reconcile. In Matthew 5, he says, Therefore, if you're offering your gift to the altar, remember that your brother and sister, something that they have against you, leave your gift there at the altar. First, go and reconcile them and come and then give your gift at the altar. You know, how many times do we come to worship and we've got something on our hearts, something that we're, we're aggravated about? Christ is telling us, get up now, leave your gift, and go and reconcile. I was waiting for somebody to get up and leave, but I guess that's not going to happen. You know? There's a pride thing we're also dealing with. I, I see. All this is from God, who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Forgiveness. He is giving us instruction for spiritual health. He is our redeemer. Lead us not into temptation. He is our savior. Deliver us from the evil one. Next one is attitudes. What is the predisposition of our Heavenly Father? Is, is he a smiter? Is he ready to cast down punishment when we messed up? Is he ambivalent? Is he, does he just create us and then chuck us out there to, to, to just be thrown around uh, by anything that comes along? I really don't think so. His will be done. His desire for us is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And to love our neighbors as ourselves. For the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul, spirit, and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, attitudes of the heart is, 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 is something we, we really need to take a look at. You know, and I mean, there's, there's mornings you wake up and you just got a bad attitude. Uh, my family is from Iowa, and there was this term that they used all the time, had a buck on. That means, you know, man, you stay out of their way. They got a really bad attitude this morning. I need to tell you, though, this, since the last time that I stood here, I will have to say is probably the hardest year I've ever had in my life. Um, the first thing I did in, in September was uh, uh, I stepped down from my position of, of 12 years 
as uh, overseeing 75 chaplains in North and South Carolina. Um, of the 75 chaplains, all but one I had hired. I had invested in training them, invested in their lives, invested in their families, and just, I actually love that. And, and having that opportunity just to, to, to lead them and to work with them as, as they help to, to care and serve for others in the workplace. And I, I absolutely love that. And to step down from that position and, and feel like I'm backing away from 75 people I really love and, and cherished and worked with. And, you know, that was hard. That was, that was, a, that was an adjustment probably as, as, as hard as, as I did from, from retiring from basketball. And, and it, was, it was mentally a, a grueling change. You know, it's like changing cars on a, on a train that just, you know, took a great leap of faith to go from one car to the next. But also that, that, that leaving that behind and, and, and moving on in my life. I still work as a part-time chaplain and, and love it to death because I have that opportunity to continue to be involved in the people that we serve and the, and the companies that we serve in the, in the Carolinas. But that was, that, was, that was pretty hard. Also, uh, not too long after I left here, I had a cancer scare um, uh, with a, um, a potential melanoma and I had to have it uh, cut off my forehead and I had an inch and a half scar down this way and an inch scar going this way, uh, big number one on my forehead. I, don't, you know, I thought it was pretty cool, but uh, um, it was really a scare. I also had to, and still am, walking through the, uh, the breakup of my daughter's marriage. And, and I know that many of you have experienced that and had to watch that and, and walk through that. And, and it's just such a, a difficult setting. And you try to nurture, and, and again, it's, it's about going back to that clay example of, of helping them mold into the, the kind of people that they need to and, and learn from. You know, sitting with my, my son-in-law and, and really, you know, encouraging him and, and really having to deal with him not wanting to listen to me. You know, it's hard. And I know many of you have felt that pain. And the last thing I had to deal with on January 16th, I had a heart attack. The day started off pretty typical. I, um, uh, I'd, I'd gone to, we, we serve a chicken factory and I'd gone there and I'd spent about four hours uh, meeting with the people there. It's a company of about 800 people, so I tried to hit the, a number of uh, uh, the breaks and, and lunchtime. Uh, and I went, I went from there to, to another um, uh, factory down in South Carolina at, uh, that made makes seasoning. And actually I was filling in for one of our chaplains that had the flu. And you know, it's just during, I'm, and I'm sure you guys were hit like the rest of the nation was with just like everybody had the flu. And so I was on my way home, and I just, I just wasn't feeling bad. I just wasn't feeling good. And I, I just was, was struggling, and I called my wife, and I said, you know, Danita, I need to, uh, I need to go to the gym. That's kind of my M.O. Every time I don't, don't feel well, I just need to let's go sweat it out, you know. Uh, be the man, you know, just work it until it's gone. And so that was, that was what I, that's what was my plan and intent to do. So I left and I, uh, I went to the gym and, and um, uh, I was working out on elliptical. I warmed up a little bit and then did the elliptical. 
And I was on for about 10 or 15 minutes, and I just kind of, gosh, my chest is really, really bothering me. And both arms were tingling. And uh, I, was, I was lightheaded and dizzy. And I got off, and I went into the locker room, and I sat down. And as I'm sitting there, I, 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 I knew something was wrong because I literally watched this pool of water expand like this below me. I just was sweating so, so horribly. And I stood up and I leaned against the locker and I'm trying to, to, to get a pulse because I felt, felt that my heart was probably racing and there was something wrong with uh, uh, me, me just having uh, uh, overload on, on the speed of my heart. And I'm, so I, uh, uh, as I was standing there, a guy came up to me, it, literally a bodybuilder. And he is just, probably looks like Trevor, you know, just... <laughs> A big guy and you know all the, the muscles and everything and he said are, are you okay and I said yeah I, I, th I think I'll, I think I'll be fine and he says he says why don't you sit down he says I'm a medic and he said I think you're in distress and so I, I, I sat down and he started walking through asking me medical questions uh, history questions of, of my, my heart and as we're as we're going through this he asked me you know he said do you feel nauseous and i said not till right now and i threw up <laughs> and um so uh, uh but it was it, it was just kind of an amazing setting uh this guy you know literally said i'm, I'm calling 911 and and i'm going no no i just i don't need it. he says no it's not going to cost you anything to have the you know the ambulance come and check you out and you know, like two minutes later, there's six firemen in the locker room and paramedics, and it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, all this that's going on. And they, um, uh, they, they, they get me into the ambulance, and I'm, I'm laying there. They had given me a couple of nitroglycerin pills, and, um, and I, after the nitroglycerin, I said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling better. And uh, the, the paramedic that was on the EKG machine said, uh, you're in cardiac arrest. And... Uh, and as soon as he said that, I hear the diesel engine of the, of the ambulance, you know, floor it. And they didn't ask me where I wanted to go or anything. And we were off and running. Uh, I was only a mile and a quarter from the hospital. And uh, um, uh, the doctor and my wife, and the, the doctor told my wife uh, uh, after she got to the hospital that um, uh, basically I had 90 minutes uh, from the time of onset uh, that that's all the time I would have had. Uh, they, if you're familiar with uh, the heart, I have my LED, which is called the Widowmaker, was 100% blocked, and so uh, it was uh, it was dire that I that I got to the hospital quickly. 25 minutes from the time I had onset uh, until I was in the operating room, and so God was really watching over me and having this man here. I would have to say, um, women, nothing against you. If a woman had told me that, or even my wife had told me you need to get to the hospital, I would have said, no, I'm going to be fine. You know, all I need is a shower. All I need is to get home. All I need is to lay down. And I had a friend of mine tell me that, um, uh, who's a fireman, said that, um, uh, he said, 100% of the men that we find that are having this issue are in denial. And so... Um, part of the 100%, I guess. <laughs> Big crowd. <laughs> but anyway, I want, I want to tell you kind of behind the scenes, um, and this is what prayer is so important for all of us. Um, when I called my wife, uh, she was having a particularly bad day. She works at, at home three days a week and then goes in the office twice, uh, two days a week. 
But um, uh, when I called her, she just said, gosh, I just, um, I'm having such a bad day, and Luke's not feeling good. And she had gone upstairs, and she said, I just, I felt the need to pray. And she sat down uh, by the bed, or on the bed, and just, and just started praying. And, you know, for the job and all this other stuff. And, and not particularly for me. But when she came back down, there was a, a message on her phone, and she looked at it, and she says, well, I'm not, I'm not going to answer this. It's from Texas. Well, I told the guy that was a paramedic in the ambulance, I said, you need to call my wife and, and let her know, you know, what's, what's going on. When I got to the emergency room, I said, you know, I need to, need to have you, you know, call my wife. And, and so she finally said, well, there's a voice message. I'll, I'll better listen to it. And that's when she found out. But we talked later, and I said, you know, it's interesting that God would prompt you to pray even though maybe you didn't know what you were supposed to be praying for. And I think that's kind of interesting how God works in our lives and, and, and moves us to pray. And it's, just, it's such a blessing to, to know that he works in our lives in really mysterious ways. Those attributes of God that we don't understand, I want to say that that I am in such joy of how life is. And even though I have pains and struggle, it's through Christ that, that I find that joy. And the attributes that he is, he's given to us. And this, it's just amazing because as uh, Paul writes in Romans 5, not only so, but we also give glory in our suffering because suffering produces perseverance. Produce, perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not shame. Hope does not disappoint. Because Christ's love, God's love, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Assist. Our Father assists us. In the game of basketball, probably one of the most coveted statistics is the assist. Uh, getting the ball to the, the, the man or the woman uh, who has the opportunity to score. Um, because you or you have given them or the person that passes the ball has given them that opportunity to score. It's interesting, you know, that, that I would use a basketball reference in that, but that's what I know. But he gives us the ball to score. He gives that opportunity, that assist to us. To, to continue on and to have production and to have positive outlooks is to be an encourager, to be a teacher, to be an instructor, to give us those opportunities. But you know, it, it takes us also relinquishing control. You know, we, we, we pass the ball and it's out of our control. He has passed us the ball and it, you know, it's, it's our responsibility. But I think it's so neat that he's there to assist us. He's there to answer our prayers, even though we may not know what we're praying for. He wants us to be on our knees, first and foremost, and come to him. The last thing is alignment. Order our steps. Micah 6, 8 is, is just a, is a great, and I, I love this scripture, and a lot of you I know, uh, know it by our heart. He has shown you, or mortal, what is, O mortal, what is good. And what does God require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. 
to act justly. Love the Lord the God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, his first and greatest commandment. And the second is to love your neighbor as you would yourself. Act justly. Love people as you want to be loved. Love mercy. To give grace is, is to, to have mercy over something is, is to give grace that, that we don't deserve. And the reality is none of us deserve the mercy and grace that we see from God because we're fouled up human beings. But its instruction is, is, is to love mercy, is to have that ability for us to give when things mess up. Our children will mess up. Our grandchildren will mess up. Our great-grandchildren will mess up. But we have that responsibility to, to love mercy and to give the mercy freely, to walk humbly with our God. I just, I just don't see humility as a huge part of our society these days. You know, talking about social media and, and you know, the way people respond, you know, to, to things, you know, it's, it's always about the victorious thing. And it just, it just really rubs me a long way. I remember, uh, uh, Woody Hayes, who was at Ohio State uh, coaching football, and, and, he, and he made the statement, he says, you know, act like you've done it before. Act like this is what you're trained to do. You know, when you tackle somebody or score a touchdown, you know, you know, this is what you're trained to do. Walk humbly. And I think it's just important for us to, to remember that peacemakers sow peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. James 3. There's a lot in here, and I would, I would really encourage all of you, as, as you read and study your Bible, to, to marinate on this scripture. Let God pull from the scripture, from his words, what he wants to tell you. These are just some of the things that he's telling me, but I want you to study the scripture and, and really marinate, submerge yourself in it. And what is he telling you about how he wants you to pray and how he wants you to be and how he wants you to, to be parents, to be fathers, to be grandfathers, to be great-grandfathers. And it's a blessing how he will enrich your life through his word. Father God, whether we are fathers or mothers or children, we have much to be thankful for and grateful for this day. We celebrate Earthly Father's Day, uh, but I want us to think about the daily celebration of our Heavenly Father, the life that he has given us, and he's assimilated us into his family. He wants to be a family with us. He, he wants us to have order in our lives. He has shown us with his authority that with authority comes great responsibility. He has displayed for us the authenticity, the truth, and what it means to be deliverers of that truth. His attributes have, have put in our hands the moral compass, what it means to follow his son, the way we should act and the way we should respond. Our attitude, our condition of the heart, how we face challenges and complications that, that are thrown at us in our lives, of an indication of where our Father is in our hearts. Regardless of how ragged the edges and how devastating the perils, he is there to assist, to comfort, to care in a way that we 
that I do not know on this side of heaven. Father, align our steps, correct our paths, fill us with wisdom, tender our hearts, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.